0: Thank you very much, Tamil. It's really, really nice to be with you all. It's, uh, yeah, I think this is my fourth time uh, here on a Sunday morning with you, and, and each time there's a few more familiar faces, and it's wonderful because there's a number of faces. John, I didn't expect to see you here. I didn't to see you. There's a guy from Waterloo here. Anyhow. <laughs> each time there's a few faces I haven't seen either as, as we're kind of you know, com- coming out of our our, uh, our hideout post-COVID and now settling back into the fall routine. So anyway, it's really nice to be here. With you all. And I'm also kind of excited that, that uh, as much as I've really enjoyed coming to be with you, I think it'll be less frequent now that Pastor Keith is joining next Sunday? Two, two weeks, yeah. So, anyway, I'm really happy about that. And I'm excited for you as you head into that season of just listening for, for what God's leading you into and kind of courageously leaning into, yeah, what, what, uh, who is God calling you to be for the next uh, stage. And I imagine that Keith will lead you through some good discernment around that. So yeah, as, as Tamil mentioned, and as you've heard me say before, uh, part of my area of responsibility with the Ontario Conference of MB Churches is in missional expressions, uh, church planting, disciple making movements, uh, new ways of being God's people, new ways of sharing the good news. So if you ever, if you're aware of somebody who's who's uh, got a heart for church planting, aware of somebody who's interested in missional community type stuff, or they're just like, I don't know, I just feel like God's stirring in me to try something different. In terms of making disciples, I would love to talk to them, uh, connect them with uh, Tamil, connect them with myself. Would love to have those those conversations. There's a song throughout the last two to three years that's been especially meaningful to me, and uh, it's entitled Truth Be Told by a guy named Matthew West. I believe that uh, Tamil sent that out. So some of you may have seen it prior uh, to this morning. If you get the chance, it'd be fantastic to have you uh, give it a watch. Uh, maybe later today if you haven't already. Uh, unfortunately, just with... Showing YouTube videos, music videos uh, live with a with a group and then online with a with a stream, it gets a little bit tricky so anyway, if you get the chance, take a look at it. Uh, I found this video to be especially meaningful, just kind of speaking into uh, what I've experienced the last couple of years as, as we know and I don't know, maybe you're getting sick of people talking about COVID and the dynamics of COVID and all of that. But here's another another reference as we were kind of all caged up and feeling restricted and and that works itself out in all kinds of weird squirrely ways. And we uh, kind of the the interior nonsense manifests itself when we're feeling kind of restricted and closed in. And that was definitely happening with me, a greater sense of, uh, yeah, I guess you could say anxiety, a greater sense of just uh, some, some of my... Uh, yeah, just the ways that I would numb pain or brokenness within me that would manifest themselves. and, and uh, So anyway, I was directed toward the song, and it was really helpful. And I'm just going to read a couple of, couple of lines from the song. And I'm going to try not to, because it would be kind of awkward if I sort of sing it, sort of say. I'm not going to sing it. I'm going to say it without singing it. Uh, so it mentions lie number one, which is that you're supposed to have it all together. Now, we know that that's a lie, but how many of us actually kind of operate that way is if we're pretending that we have it all together. Lie number two, that everybody's life is perfect except yours. You look around, you're like, man, like, I'm just like a total wreck inside. But, you know, Tamia, like she's, just, she's always smiling and doing great stuff. She's got it figured out. And Eric, he's, he's got such a lovely family, and he's lighting the world on fire. And you look around, and you think, everybody's got it together except for me. And if they actually knew what a wreck I was, they'd be quite puzzled. And then you actually start to talk through some of the stuff. You're like, oh yeah, no, you've got your junk too. and I've got my junk and we're all kind of a, a messy bunch. So anyway, that's lie number two, that the deceiver speaks to us, that uh, everybody's life is perfect except yours. And then the song goes on to say, uh, the chorus has got this, uh, this little ditty. It says, I say I'm fine. Yeah, I'm fine. Oh, I'm fine. But I'm not. I'm broken. And then it talks about this need for our truth to be told and the freedom that there is within that. And Matthew West proceeds to say, I don't know why it's so hard to admit it when being honest is the only way to fix it. There's no failure, no fall, there's no sin that you don't already know. So let the truth be told. And this invitation to a life of honesty, this invitation to a life of confession, an invitation to kind of live out what God already knows about us, like we can't hide this stuff from him, Uh, what does it look like for our truth to be told? So a bit more of a glimpse into my story over the last uh, number of years. There, uh, I'm just going to share with you three little snippets in, in terms of me coming sort of face first with the reality that I I was broken, that I am broken. And, uh, you know, you kind of always know you're broken, but you kind of tuck it away. You're like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll figure it out. I'll fix it. And then you're like, oh, no, <laughs> this isn't going away. So the first one is there was a, a young fellow whom I'd, I'd poured into for a number of years, and had discipled, spent a lot of time with us in our, in our home, a dear friend. And, you know, as, as a pastor, you're like, you're kind of like pouring into people and seeing emerging, emerging leaders. And, uh, so this, this fellow had been connected with our, our church for a little while and, uh, yeah, like, I mean, sort of viewing him at sort of as my, as my protege or, or mentee. And, uh, then there was a, another church planted down the road, not far away. And, uh, he went to that church that first Sunday instead of my church. And he was hyping their pastor on Instagram instead of me. And one afternoon, I'm, or that afternoon, I'm sitting in my lazy boy chair and I'm just cruising through Instagram. And then I see this post that he was there and he was hyping their pastor. It was like a sword through my heart. And, you know, when you say it out loud, it sounds kind of ridiculous. But then you start to realize how much your own identity and your hopes and dreams can be wrapped up in other things and even other people. And I sat there for the next three hours and I was just like numb dead to the world. My, my wife and kids are kind of doing their stuff in the house. And I was, I was dead to the world, just numb, just scrolling through, through Instagram. So that's one instance in which, oh, and, and, and just to say over the next number of weeks and months, the, the bitterness and the hurt that was in my heart was actually quite shocking. It was like, I'm not doing good here. <laughs> so that was one instance. Another instance, uh, at our home, we raised a couple of sheep in our, in our backyard a couple of, a couple of summers. They made their way to their freezer and were super-duper tasty. They were also exceedingly cute when we had them. Uh, but the the one instance where I was I was pouring some grain into the, the pail for our, our one lamb, and uh, it butted the pail with its head, spraying the feet all over the place. And so I whacked it to kind of move it to the side. And then I whacked it again a little bit harder, and then I hit it again. And I kind of stepped back, and I was like, whoa, like what's going on here? And I realized that there was this like rage within me that was like coming out in a very inappropriate and helpful way and if any of you have ever had livestock or a farmer I, I did preach the sermon in uh, in a church where there were a lot of farmers I saw some nodding heads of that familiarity of what's you know inappropriate but it's this rage that came out and so anyway it was just this like window into my heart of like ooh, there's some stuff going on in there that's not good but it's working itself out in these ways then, as I was reflecting through this this season about what was going on within me, I I also noticed uh, the number of times in which I just didn't feel peace within my heart. Oftentimes, so where we used to live, we were 15 minutes from from Lake Huron, so we'd have dinner and we'd just go for an evening walk, and it'd be like perfect. I have a great great day, you know, with with uh, my, my ministry as a pastor and, uh, you know, my, my wife, we'd have a great dinner together, my kids, and we'd be just like, it'd be like sunny, we're heading out of the lake just to catch our breath for a few minutes. And like, life was like perfect. And yet within my heart, there was just this like unsettledness, this like ache, this lack of peace. And beginning to ask why, like this sense of like, oh, I haven't done enough today. Or I'm, I'm not this, or I'm not that. And just this unsettledness. And so kind of taking a step back I mean like, Why is this still the case? Like, I'm 38. I kind of thought I'd be a little closer to Jesus by this point in my life (laughs) than I actually am. And so as these things were stirring in my heart, I was realizing and have been on this journey of realizing that information and action aren't enough for my journey with Jesus. I was kind of operating under this understanding. Well, if I just study the Bible enough, if I listen to enough podcasts, if I read enough books have enough conversations, just bring in this, in this information, all of which is super-duper helpful, but if I just bring enough, enough information, I will be transformed to be like Jesus. And if I do all the good stuff, I'm on mission, I'm going to this retreat, I'm teaching, I'm like mentoring or, or whatever, just connecting with people, serve, 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 that will be, that will be it. I'll, I'll grow to be like Jesus and coming to the point of realizing that information and action weren't enough and recognizing that actually a lot of what was going on was that my identity was misplaced. I was wrapped up in whether people thought I was a good guy, whether people thought I was a successful pastor, a good parent, a good spouse, a good friend, rather than who God has made me to be and what he's accomplished on the cross through his shed blood to save me from sin and to say, you're my son, you're my child, and I love you, I'm with you no matter what. And I wasn't operating according to that. I was operating according to, well, if I... if I. Do the right stuff. If I live my life the right way, it will be enough and God will be happy and I'll have peace. And it wasn't working out that way. Even as you preach grace and mercy on like a a cognitive level, you believe that. But then in your interior life, it was a different story. So I invite you to ask that question about your own identity. Is your identity wrapped up in being the perfect grandparents, the perfect salesperson, the perfect teacher? therapist or early childhood educator, the perfect sister, the perfect friend. Is that what it's wrapped up in or is it wrapped up in I am a beloved child of God? And thanks be to God that it's through our brokenness that we come face to face with this reality that none of those other pieces are enough. And it's when we actually confront our brokenness and we actually tell the truth about what's going on within us that we can start this journey toward healing. And I imagine that all of you are on various stages of this journey. Maybe this is what I'm, what I'm sharing with you. You've been on this road for a while. And maybe some of you, it is kind of new because you've just been stuffing it in and thinking, if I know the right stuff, do the right stuff, it'll be fine. But Jesus wants to invite you into this journey of spiritual healing. And so I invite you to consider that this morning. I'm going to share with you from Psalm chapter 51, Psalm chapter 51, these are the words of, uh, of King David reflecting on uh, the adultery with Bathsheba, and actually, let's be frank, it was rape and the horrible events that he did to cover up his sin, putting her husband on the front lines of battle so that he would be killed. These are the words of David, Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you're right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. And yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God. You who are my God, my Savior, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. May it please you to prosper Zion, to build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in the sacrifice of the righteous in burnt offerings, offered whole. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. As we reflect on this psalm this morning, more or less my invitation to you is to come to God with this sacrifice of a broken spirit. God does not despise that. He actually welcomes that and says, all right, now that we're in this spot, we can start working out my love, my mercy, and my transforming power in your life. And it's as long as we think, I'm fine, I'll get it figured out. That's when we're in trouble, in dangerous territory. So the first step in this journey of spiritual healing that God wants to take you on is to tell your truth, to admit your brokenness. That line from the song where he says, Matthew West says, I don't know why it's so hard to admit it, when on, being honest is the only way to fix it, so let the truth be told. And uh, that has been my experience. That has been my experience. The only way to fix it is through truth and honesty. Again, just another, another COVID reference. This was actually one of the gifts of this season. As hard as it was, it exposed a lot of stuff. It exposed a lot of stuff that we kind of tucked away and kind of brought it to the fore, brought it to the surface. And now that we're, we're ready to roll, more or less, What are we going to do with that? Like, Are we just going to go back to our normal patterns and and trying to run our lives? Or are we going to actually still just embrace that, sit with that, and allow God to do his transforming work within us? And so with this admission of brokenness, it's this invitation into repentance. What is repentance? Repentance isn't simply saying sorry and moving on. Our kids were telling us about uh, one of our kids had a classmate who had a habit of kicking other kids. And as I mean, I'm sure our kids were in the, in the mix of the nonsense as well. There was this one kid who kept kicking kids, but and they had this like idea that if they just said sorry immediately after, it was okay. <laughs> so they kicked another kid the one day, and the teacher was like, "Hold on, like what's going on here?" And the student was like, "It's fine. I said I'm sorry." She's like, "Well, that's not exactly the way that it works." And so they had to have a classroom conversation about, I don't now. This was with the Catholic school board, so maybe they did use the language of repentance. I'm not sure. But they had to talk about, what does it actually mean to be sorry? It's not a get-out-of-jail-free card. And so it is with our own sinfulness, our own brokenness, in that it is not sufficient just to say sorry and to move on, which many of us are actually in the habit of doing, we assume, and take advantage of the grace and mercy of God, which is rich and deep and unending and beautiful. But God actually wants to invite us into this repentance, this embracing our sin and sitting with it, and then inviting him to transform so that we can turn away and go a different direction. Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24, it says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me. This posture, God, would you search me? And, and sometimes when we're, we're kind of doing all right, and we're kind of tucking it away, and we can kind of manage our brokenness, we actually have to have this posture of search me, oh God. And then stuff like COVID or other Traumatic events happen, and it actually like, just gets brought to the fore and bubbles up, and we can't hide it. The people around us are like, yeah, you're, you're having a tough time here. You're clearly broken, and that's a gift from God. But maybe if you're in this place where you're skating along okay right now, maybe it is you have to take this posture of search me, O God, and know my heart. Psalm 51, verses 3 and 4, so from the text that we just read, says, For I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. But so often we cover it up, we plow through it, we try to manage it, we, t- we tell ourselves, I'll figure it out, I'll figure it out, give me a few years and I'll be okay. And then we don't address it until actually we can't hide it anymore and it comes out in incredibly destructive ways. What if we had this posture of telling our truth and admitting our brokenness before things blow up, before it rips our family apart, before it leads us on a pathway of addiction or despair? So the first step is, admitting our brokenness. The second step is this belief that God can heal. God has the capacity to restore you. I believe that with all of my heart, no matter what you're in the thick of, if you're just, you can't stop gossiping, maybe you have addictions to alcohol, to pornography, to a bitter spirit, whatever the case may be, God can restore you. You can't stop nagging one of your children. God can restore you. Whatever it may be, I believe that with all of my heart. God can heal you. When we look at the life of David, and as I mentioned, to be clear, we've traditionally referred to this event with David and Bathsheba. which I, He was the king of, king of Israel, and he, he took this woman and invited her to come and to have sexual relations with him. To be clear, that was not simply adultery. That was rape as he came from a position of power and coerced her to come with him. He was super-duper messed up. And yet God walked with him, and there were ramifications with his family, but God walked with him and restored him. God can walk with you and restore you. Psalm 139, where it says, search me and see if there's any offensive way in me. And I stopped in that territory before, but then it goes on to say, and lead me in the way everlasting. Lead me in the way everlasting. God has a new and a different story for each and every one of you. And and you know what, to be honest, I mean, this is a journey for me. I've got a ton of growth in this. But to be honest, if I'd have preached this maybe five or six years ago, I would have been like, yeah, you know, God can lead you in the way of everlasting, of course, whatever. But like, I actually believe that on a deeper level than I did five years ago because I've been experiencing some of this working itself out. I believe that no matter where you've been, God can restore you and lead you in his way of the fullness of life. The fullness of life and joy and peace. God is a merciful God. And David knew that when he wrote these words, verse one of our text, he says, Have mercy on me, O God. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. God's love is never going to stop, it's never going to go away. You're never going to step out of bounds beyond what he is capable of extending to you. Some I mean, of you actually on the way here, I, I heard the at a playlist and heard the old, old hymn, The Love of God. And it says, wherever let me think, if every stalk or every tree on earth were uh, a quill and every person a described by trade, um, it's something about, it would drain the oceans dry if they were ink. Anyway, we can't exhaust how big God's love for you is. It's unfailing. God wants to invite you into this everlasting life and it's this already not yet peace. When you place your faith in Jesus, you are saved, you are righteous through what he did, through his identity that he gives you, you will live forever. But this is already not yet peace. You're already there, and yet we're not quite yet fully living into it. And so this invitation that we have life forever waiting for us, but we can grow into that in this time. As I'm experiencing unsettledness, as I'm experiencing pain, it's like, man, I'm, what is this everlasting life that God has promised We don't have it fully yet, but we can start to take steps into it in this life here and now. And God will restore joy. Verse 12 of our text, David is saying, Restore to me the joy of my salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Verse 13, it says, Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, you who are God my Savior, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. In the midst of David's brokenness, in the midst of his incredible sin, he knew that he worshiped a God who could restore him. A God who would put the words of righteousness back on his tongue to sing. And God can do that with you wherever you're at in your journey. I really believe it. I really believe that embracing this journey of brokenness and seeking the fullness of God into your life in new ways, I really believe that you can be a different person, a little bit more like Jesus a year from now. You never get it all tidied up, but you can make significant steps. In this uh, admission of brokenness, a key aspect which I've, I've alluded to at points is this, taking on the identity of Jesus. So Matthew chapter 12 verse 34, it says, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good person brings good things out of the good stored in them, An evil person brings evil things out of the evil stored in them. When we have darkness in our hearts, it's going to bubble up. It's going to come out in one way, shape, or form. When I act in inappropriate ways, it's because there's deeper stuff going on within me. So I gave you that instance of where I was smacking my sheep and actually taking out my rage on them. The answer wasn't to say, shoot, That was wrong. Next time I'm going to try harder to be more patient. That's not the answer. The answer is to be like, all right, hold on. Like, what's really stirring deep down inside me? What are the events that have led up to this? What's the pain and the anxiety that's tapping into? And as you kind of follow the back, actually having with our sin, not just resisting it, not letting it take over, but actually looking at our sin with curiosity. What is driving this? And I don't, you know, honestly, I don't remember that particular day, but it's quite possible that something had maybe not gone great with, with my, my role as a pastor. And whatever your employment or vocation is, maybe you can identify with that. Something hadn't gone well, and so my identity was shaken of like, I'm not as good of a person as I want to be, or I'm not respected, or I'm not as successful as I thought maybe it would be. That's actually what's stirring. And, and at the root, it's this posture toward God. Is God happy with me? Maybe that's the question. So whatever it is, when you're, you know what, I had an instance where I was gossiping out with a friend and my, my, my buddy halted me in the tracks and he's like, hold on, like what's actually going on here? And it was about my own sense of inferiority that I needed to speak in this way to elevate myself above someone else. And again, this comes down to my relationship with Jesus. Do I believe that I'm a love child, that I'm completely sufficient for who I am, who he's created me to be, and the righteousness he's given me through his blood at the cross. It's always, its the answer is actually, I want to think about how I, how I parse this out. It is important to pay attention to our, our, our efforts. I'm going to try harder to be patient next time, but that will not be sufficient. You need to drill down into your underlying brokenness and your misplaced identity. It's like weeding. There's a guy named Rob Reamer who wrote a book called Soul Care, which has been really helpful for me. And he writes, he says, It is often issues of the soul that keep us from intimacy with God and others. Many people come to me because they want to get closer to God, but they can't. What they fail to understand is that it is often soul issues that keep them from drawing nearer to God. Praying, fasting, and memorizing Scripture cannot help us draw near unless we address the soul blocks We have unconfessed and unprocessed, undealt with issues, and they hinder us from experiencing the fullness of God. Think of your soul like a container. These things, this unprocessed sin, these issues, fill up that container of our souls, and unless we deal with them, we don't have more capacity for God. It's about getting to the root of the matter. You think of weeding. If you've ever weeded in the garden, I used to hate weeding. I, I think everybody hates weeding. I just remember we had a big garden. My mom would send me out as a kid and we had to weed the corn patch. And you could, you could do a really, you could do a quick job and it would look really nice when you were finished. And you just snapped off the tops of all those plants and it looked nice and tidy. But the problem was those weeds came back a whole lot sooner and then we'd be back out weeding again in a matter of days compared to if you you kind of get your fingers right down there in the soil. You feel down to the base of that weed. You get the root, and you slowly massage it out. And if you do that, you're going to have less weeding in two weeks and maybe even less weeding the next summer. But it's about getting down into the root. And so often, that's how we live our lives. Oh, if I just behave better next time, I'm going to try harder. If I get an accountability partner, maybe they'll ask me the right questions, and I won't, I won't do it because I'll be afraid I have to admit to them. That's just lopping off the top of the weeds. But when we come with this admission of brokenness and invitation of the Holy Spirit to drill deep, what's the issues, what's actually going on, we can weed, um, yeah, we can weed the sin and brokenness out of our lives and invite the fullness of God's presence and love in to transform us. Kind of the last key that I want to share with you today in this journey towards spiritual healing is into, to invite others on the journey. And maybe this is a scary part. Like we know, okay, so I can work this stuff out with God, because he already knows this stuff about me. I try to hide it from him, but we kind of we know he knows. And so yeah, okay, I'll work through this with the Holy Spirit. But a significant step in all of this is to invite others onto the journey. James chapter 5, verse 16 says, confess your sins to one another and pray for each other that you may be healed. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but do you do that? We say we're a people of the Scriptures. Do we confess our sins to one another? I didn't do this for a long, long time because it's super scary. Like there's this real fear that if people knew who I actually am inside, they'll take a step back from me. They won't be sure what to do with me. They might even say, well, you know, I like you, but I don't know what to do with that. I think less of you now, so on and so forth. We fear that they will take a step back. But there's something powerful when we confess our sin to one another. And it's actually been my experience. Now, of course, you need to find safe people, but it's been my experience, and it's been an experience of seeing God's mercy right in front of me in a tangible way when I've shared the fullness of who I am. And my friend has actually stepped toward me and said, I'm with you. I love you. Yeah, this this is ugly stuff, but I'm with you. I love you. And it's in that the body of Christ, we we are the body of Christ. We are the manifestation of his activity on the earth, right? The body of Christ. And this is a way that God pours out his mercy and love through his people when we can confess our brokenness. Jesus models this. You know, he he has his kind of his inner circle. He teaches the the masses. He teaches the 72. He teaches, you know, the 12 that he disciples. Then he's got this three. Now we know that Jesus was without sin, so it's not exactly the same. And yet he modeled this close community with others alongside him. What does it look like for you to confess your sins to one another? Because I actually really believe that this is a step that you can't miss. There's a reason why it is said in James's letter. And so God blessed me during the season, kind of heading into COVID, where I was experiencing the stuff that I shared, the stories I shared earlier. And I had two other buddies, and we're just chatting. And we're like, they're like, yeah, so I'm not in a great spot either. And my other buddy's like, yeah, I'm like super stressed out and acting in ways I don't love with my family. Like, we got to do something with this. So we started meeting for breakfast bi-weekly, And over time, as we just shared little snippets of our story and trust began to build, to the point where we did what's called a total life confession. That's actually probably the scariest thing I've ever done, but we, we uh, took a whole day together, and we took an hour each and just shared, here's my story. Here is everything that I've done and said and thought, my attitudes, that I've actually never told anybody, and it was hard. It was hard, and we, did, <laughs> we didn't like what we uncovered, actually. Like, these are guys I've known my whole life, and you kind of walk you're like, good heavens, I didn't know you were dealing with that, but... You didn't know I was dealing with this. And there's this leaning in together and saying, all right, we're gonna walk in this together. We're gonna chase after God. We're gonna allow the Holy Spirit to root out these issues in our lives. And so I urge you, whatever that looks like, maybe it took us several months of building that trust. I don't wanna let you off the hook, but there's a good chance you're not at that place where you're just like, all right, I got my two people in the church. I'm gonna call them up. We're meeting for breakfast Friday. We're gonna do a total life confession. If you're ready for that, like, go for it. Um, but I'm going to guess you're not. But I invite you to consider, who am I going to take the first step in this direction with and show some vulnerability? Again, it's got to be someone whom you trust, but I think you'll be amazed at the ways that you see that mercy and God worked out. And then just enter into this relationship of just showing, showing your pain, showing your nonsense, and trusting that God is going to do some neat, transforming work within you. And so I want to ask you this morning, and again, because I believe this. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm a mess, but I'm maybe a little bit less of a mess or a little bit healthier than I was three years ago. I really believe that God can take you on significant steps forward. You might have a habit. You might have an attitude that you haven't been able to shake for years. I really believe that when you take these steps, that God will carry you on this journey of spiritual healing. What are the symptoms of brokenness that you're aware of? Honestly, well, one of mine, and this is, <laughs> this is one that I haven't dealt with to the degree that I should yet. It's on my on my to-do list. I need to get at it. <laughs> it's a journey, but one of it is I. When I'm stressed out, I eat. I'm like pounding back snacks at night. <laughs> That's an instance of brokenness. Like, there's nothing wrong with eating, but it really is a manifestation of when I'm stressed out, when I'm unsettled. So I gotta step back. Okay, there's a symptom. What am I gonna do with that? Maybe it is, like, you know, you know that you're kind of a gossip. Maybe you know that it is actually pretty easy to drink too much at night. Or maybe it is, you know what, you started smoking weed and all these things, like, they can often, if we're numbing pain, Or it is scrolling, that's the other one for me. I'll scroll, I'll read news and I'll read sports and you could say, well, that's not the most destructive thing you could ever do. But it's still kind of this like closing off to the world around me because I don't want to actually feel the things that I'm feeling. What are the symptoms of brokenness for you? Information and action aren't enough. They're not enough. You're not going to try harder your way out of this but take a step of telling the truth and inviting the Holy Spirit into that. May our posture be one of verse 17 of our text where it says, My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. So my invitation to you, and if you want to take a step into this journey of spiritual healing, get alone with God, embrace your sin with curiosity, actually, what's going on here, Call a friend, message a friend. If you want to do a total life confession, go for it, but I'm going to guess there's not too many people that are going to take that at me instead. But call a friend and take a risk. And just be like, hey, like you need to know I'm struggling in this or I've been acting in it this way. And there's all kinds of great resources. I don't know, honestly, I didn't didn't look up. These are kind of from my territory, but these are programs that are kind of national programs. One is Celebrate Recovery. It actually comes out of Rick Warren's Saddleback Church in California, but it's kind of taken on its own a life of its own across North America. Celebrate Recovery. If you Google it, there's, uh, I don't know if there'd be one in like Brantford. I know there's one in Stratford, kind of my territory. But Celebrate Recovery is a great way to kind of join with people in this journey of healing. There's other, Freedom Session is another one that I've actually personally experienced. Super duper powerful. Uh, it's hard work, but it's it's just beautiful. It's like tilling your tilling the soil of your life by examining your nonsense to let the mercy of God. Settle in. So Freedom Session, you can Google that. Um, there's There's, yeah, other books, resources. Soul Care is one that I mentioned. Um, one of the things I really appreciate about Tamila, she's very in tune in terms of spiritual formation. So Tamila will have some excellent resources to refer to you as well. Uh, guides on the journey. Or maybe it's, you know what, just meeting with a therapist. A wise therapist said actually most of their, their counselees that come, I shouldn't say most, a significant number would, so men typically come, sorry, women typically come to a therapist in their 50s. Men typically come to a therapist in their 70s because for whatever reason, these are the stages of life, these are sweeping generalizations, but these are the stages in life when we're confronted with our brokenness of, oh, my family is a mess and I can actually see how that's the result of how I've interacted with them, or oh, I'm now retired and I'm empty and I don't know if my life was worth what I thought it was gonna be or I don't know, like just that shaken identity. So maybe seeing a therapist could be super duper helpful yeah, so don't wait. And those of you in the crowd who are younger, like I wish I, wish I would have taken this step when I was 20 years old because I could have saved some of the pain with my marriage. I could have saved some of the pain with my kids. Like seriously, don't wait till you're 50 or 70. If you're 50 or 70, now's the time. Uh, but honestly, please hear me. If you're young, do it now because you will save yourself destruction within your relationships. I really believe that. Don't wait until it's a chaotic mess that you can't ignore. You're seeing that stuff now. Wait into it with incredible courage uh, and expectation of the mercy of God. And so I just want to extend that invitation to you this morning to join with God on this journey of spiritual healing and to take that first step of telling the truth of who you are because God is going to envelop you when you do that He's not going to push you away. It could be hard. It could lead to some super hard conversations that are awkward and involve tears with those you love. But God, hopefully those around you, I expect generally speaking those around you will surround you with love and God most certainly will. I invite you to take that step. Let your truth be told and enter with the, in this journey of spiritual healing with God. Let's pray. So God, collectively this morning, and I I think I'm gonna gonna speak, I'm gonna pray this on behalf of all of us gathered in this room. Um, Our sacrifice to you, God, is not not, uh, inviting our neighbor over this week or volunteering on the the parent-teacher association or just doing a better job at work or trying really, really hard to treat our kids with kindness. This isn't our sacrifice to you this week. Our sacrifice is a broken spirit. You know this full well, but we now acknowledge it. we bring it to you that we are a broken people. We do things that we don't like. We feel things that we don't like. We're not who we wish we were. We're not fully who you create us to be. And so we hold that out to you and we give you thanks, God, for your love and your mercy. We give you thanks that you're with us every step of the way. We give you thanks that you step toward us through your life and your death and your resurrection. You didn't step back and go and fiddle with the galaxy and kind of do your own thing, but you actually step toward us to live with us, to die on our behalf and to offer us life forever. So we honor you. And so now, God, we surrender ourselves to you, Holy Spirit. Would you speak to us the things that we need to hear? Would you give us the courage that we need? Would you direct us to the person whom we need to speak with? Because we want to be more like you, Jesus. We want to walk now, today, in your way of everlasting, of everlasting life. Guide us, Holy Spirit, in this we pray. Please receive our broken and contrite spirit. Give us life forever, we pray. Amen.